0: Coming up on today's next fan up podcast. How can you expect to anybody to take take your head coach seriously with hair like that? MJ, uh-huh. is is Atlanta gonna get a great buzz playing with that Miami line? Neil's always stealing the show. Why can't I have a damn Scottish accent? I'm just surprised Kevin's old enough to shave. He certainly has a beard in my dreams. You know,
1: Pod Vader is the first name on the show. Like I what w- whatever. Here we go. we go out we hit people in the mouth you play to win the game next
0: fan up i want winners. featuring pod vader and the super fans
1: they are who we thought they were hello and welcome to an already fired up edition of the next fan up podcast hello everybody i'm pod vader and it is our week six preview of all the games in the nfl and we have a few bye weeks this week uh as we are deep into the bye weeks. And of course, I don't have those teams ready and available for you as I'm starting the intro. But as I introduce other people, I'm sure somebody will look it up for me and will let me know who's on the bye this week. Uh, But first, we'll start with Neil
0: across the pond there. He's our Redskins superfan. Hello, Neil. Hey, Jay. Hey, guys. What a good week. Gold Rush starts again this week. One of my favorite programs. Big men, huge beards. Just how I imagined you guys. Big men with big beards.
1: Is that what you? Is that what you're saying?
0: Huge beards, huge.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I I don't have a huge beard. I only have a a slightly manicured goatee. How about you, James? Uh, any facial hair on your face representing the Eagles?
2: Uh, it's slowly growing in, um, but I've been lazy. I haven't shaved in about a week and a half.
0: <laughs> mm. Surely feathers, if it's representing the Eagles. Uh,
2: I, I'll see you on Monday night, Neil I'll see you on Monday night <laughs> uh, How
1: about how about you, Andy representing the Dolphins in Prison Zone 1?
3: Uh, I don't have a beard but I have facial hair because I haven't shaved in 8 days um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from from that perspective and looking forward to talking about the Patriots players being overrated
1: with you uh, for the next hour Pod. No, that's not happening. That's that's what got us all fired
4: up to start. And I,
1: I hit the record button so we can talk about something else. Uh, but to continue the facial theme, the facial hair theme, I see MJ, our Atlanta Falcons super fan. His picture does feature facial hair, but I don't say think it's a huge beard there, MJ.
5: Oh, it's actually not much of a beard. And honestly, and actually today, The only thing I have is the goatee because I went to the barbershop yesterday.
1: Ah, see, you know, the theme that's coming out of all of this is uh, laziness. Uh, We either don't (laughs) shave or we have someone else shave us for us. Uh, Kevin has finally joined us. Uh, Speaking of lazy, he's late. He is our cowboy superfan in prison zone six.
6: Oh, howdy, everyone. Uh, It's been a beautiful week to be a Cowboys fan. Love the controversy. No, I don't like it. I'm just so sick of it.
1: Well, uh, we're going to have to get into it, unfortunately. I I was trying to avoid it as much as possible, Kevin. Kevin, any facial hair uh, as uh, we close this out? Do I have any facial hair? Yes.
6: Uh, At times. I I, I don't grow a very good beard. It's It's the one thing you guys can make fun of me, and it comes in quite patchy.
1: All right, so there you go, Neil. Nobody has mountain men beards, at I'm least sur- on this show. I'm just surprised Kevin's old enough to shave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, I think Monty has uh, has a mountain man type beard, or has had a mountain man type beard. Uh, it's his birthday this weekend. He's, he's not quite as old as you and I, Neil, but he's getting not closer. Quite.
0: He certainly has a beard in my dreams. And I don't you want to know about, more about that. Okay. I, can also, I can also tell you, Jay, just to uh, inform you, it's Dallas, Seattle, Buffalo, and Cincinnati who are on the bye week this week.
4: Oh,
6: Thank you, God. Neil. Much needed. Much yes. needed bye. Oh, uh, so,
1: For Dallas, uh, it should be bye bye. Before we get into. Uh, slamming the Dallas Cowboys, uh, let me just tell you that uh, if you would like to join in on the Cowboy Slam, you can email us. I have up, even joined this show. <laughs> you can tweet us at NFU Podcast, <laughs> and you can reach us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash NFU Podcast, or just search Next Fan Up. Uh, it'll come right up. NextFanUp.WordPress.com is where you can read all of our previews for week six, and we will be going through our picks a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But as we have teased, it is time now to slam the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Sorry, Kevin, uh, but it, it was only here to come. Now I will say this. If you want to hear our opinion on the entire kneeling for the flag protest, we did a phenomenal show two weeks ago. I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that particular show to get where our stance is, but there have been some things that have advanced the story. Uh, And this is not the only problem going on in Dallas right now, Kevin, but your owner, Jerry Jones, uh, apparently Mm. not a big fan of the protests happening uh, on the sidelines. Good old Jara. I mean, what uh, I'm
6: not here to defend Jerry. Obviously I don't agree with what he said. Um, but at the same time, I don't think he he like firmly believes that. He just wants to save money or make more money because most of his sponsors and most of the people he does business with, business with are the people who are against kneeling. So it's a smart business decision. Yeah, the Cowboys players aren't going to like it. Um, a few of them, especially Orlando Skandrick, have expressed their dismay um, or Orlando Skandrick's just a grumpy guy in general. Um, but, like, it's, it's just a position I wouldn't want to be in if I was Sherry Jones. Either way, it's lose lose for him. Either way, e- either the people he does business with or his supporters, um, people on the right, people who down south, are going to be offended by him that he's supporting his players, taking it and allegedly disrespecting the country. And, Jerry loves money. He's a billionaire after all. Um, So he wanted to protect that. Um, But at the same time, obviously now Jerry probably thought he could handle the Cowboys players and organizations easier than the outside world. And it sort of had a bigger backlash than I think Jerry expected from the players. Because usually players love Jerry. Um, If if that's one thing that that is good about Jerry Jones, for the most part, all the players that play for the Cowboys, Love Jerry. He, he treats them well. Um, but they did have a meeting yesterday, a players and organization meeting with Jerry. And Jerry said some crazy stuff that obviously he didn't mean. Like he was uh, Todd Archer, a uh, good ESPN reporter for the Cowboys, uh, said that he told them he wanted to take that stance on the anthem because, quote, he wants to play the bad guy and deflect attention from the rest of the team, unquote. So, I honestly have no clue what that means because you're not deflecting attention to to anyone besides giving more attention to the team, negative attention. Um, I mean, we're talking about you, but you are the Cowboys. You're the face of the Cowboys. Everyone hates the Cowboys to begin with. Everyone hates Jerry Jones to begin with. So, the dumber things that he says are just going to get more criticized. And I'm not really sure what he meant by that quote. And it was obviously just. foolhardy last second excuse of what he said. Um, the Dak Prescott said the meeting went well for whatever that's worth.
1: Um, One other I thing mean, I, I want to add about the meeting uh, and, and something that Jones said he was trying to do was ensuring that the players saw the bigger picture regarding the business side of the situation, which is something exactly, you brought up, including concerns exactly. over TV ratings and sponsors. Uh, and and this goes back to something that i said 2 weeks ago is i will fight to my dying breath to protect the right of any person to protest in any manner that they want to however those people also have to understand that there are consequences to their actions and they must accept the consequences that come with those actions and while they might believe that they have a platform in which they can spread their message and they do The problem is that platform is owned by billionaires, including one Jerry Jones, and thus their actions can come with consequences from that particular billionaire. And then it is up to us, the public, to then react appropriately to a uh, to an action that is made by someone that we disagree with. And with that, I turn it over to James, who also made a very astute point about the timing of Jones' comments.
2: Um, Well, as I stated earlier, this is the Cowboys' bye week, so it's not like players have to definitively give an answer one way or the other as far as if they're going to protest or how this coming week because they have the week off. Also, league meetings are being held this week as well up at NFL headquarters. so All 32 owners are – to show up and participate along with player representatives from all 32 clubs. How that plays out, I have no idea. I was actually going to pin something last night to post today on the website, but I held off because I want to see how these meetings play out and see what the outcome of this, this meeting is, especially when we have Twitter fingers in the White House sitting down edicts on high to the rest of the owners on what they should and shouldn't do regarding their own employees, which, last I checked, was a federal crime that no member of the executive branch of office can tell another company who to fire or how to run their own business.
4: Uh, As
5: well as his representatives, too, because the press secretary caught a lot of heat for her comments as well.
2: Right. And I mean any member of the executive, that, that includes everybody in the White House.
1: Uh, the uh, the NFL and the NFLPA issued a joint statement on the meetings that will be occurring next week uh, saying this, and I'm reading directly from the statement. Commissioner Roger Goodell reached out to the NFLPA Executive Director Damore Smith today, and both he and player leadership will attend the league meetings next week. There has been no change in the current policy regarding the anthem. The agenda will be a continuation of how to make progress on the important social issues that players have vocalized Everyone who is part of our NFL community has a tremendous respect for our country, our flag, our anthem and our military. And we are coming together to deal with these issues in a civil and constructive way. And then the only other thing I will say about this, uh, as I sort of mentioned uh, haphazardly and not with 100 percent context in our Slack channel, if you go and you search hashtag NFL right now on Twitter, the amount of tweets about people that are boycotting the NFL over these protests is amazingly and alarmingly high. Uh, And I'm, you know, quick to remember that 49% of this country, unfortunately voted in a manner that put another person who likes to speak out uh, from that executive branch on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, So again, I want to make this perfectly clear, I believe in the protest and I am all in for the protest at the same time, understanding that this is also a business in which the people that are protesting are putting their platform on, they don't have control over the apps out of the circumstances and the consequences that will come with their protest. And that is sort of where we're at in terms of where this is all going. Uh, The NFL is absolutely losing money, and they don't like losing money ever. Uh, I think Neil has put it best. Billionaires don't like to be told what to do. Um, He also makes a joke about biscuits being in the meeting. I have no idea if there were biscuits in the meeting, Neil, but uh, are you talking about actual biscuits or are you talking about cookies? Because I I think uh, you guys refer to cookies as biscuits over there.
0: Oh yeah, I was just when Kevin was talking about these these meetings with Dallas. I was just wondering, you know, I hate meetings if there's not a biscuit or a cookie. Mm. I hate do you know, do we too. know Kevin? Were you there? Were there biscuits, cookies? Oh uh, no, my my Skype
6: wasn't working, so they weren't able to to get me in. But oh, I heard that uh, there was no biscuit. Surprisingly, it was very stern, very serious, and Jerry got away with words. Cowboys are on board with everything. Trust, me. but
3: but was there dr pepper was there pizza hut
1: these are the things that jerry jones endorses himself ah here we go was there at&t did was your skype not working because at&t happened to be not working on that particular day or uh, uh i think pepsi as well was there was there pepsi at the meeting oh there was pepsi um
6: not not i can't release any more details um I don't know why, but Jerry just told me to keep it private, uh, and I respect respect his opinions and views. But seriously, one last thing: the, the the real thing that I hate about this is that is that Donald Trump is not being associated with the Cowboys in a very and it just oh my, I cannot stand it, and it just it just sort of makes me feel not bad to be a Cowboys fan right now. I would never feel bad to be. It's just like really, why does this have to happen to this team? Why couldn't it be? Robert Kraft or something that said something like this. Uh, oh God, why
1: does everything have to always go this way in my life? Because <laughs> Robert Kraft is too smart to say something like that. <laughs> uh, was everyone wearing Nike apparel? I just want to make sure. Or or perhaps or perhaps the new line from Under Armour. Uh, was was that uh, what everyone was wearing at the meeting? By the way, Jamal Hill, I see you. Oh. Uh, and again, just remember, you are not in control of your platform when you're employed. By someone, but for everyone else, remember who Jamel Hill's employer is and take the appropriate actions you believe need to be taken. Next up on the list, something, well, it's still fairly serious the New York Giants. Uh, they are without a wide receiving core as uh, <laughs> uh, everyone got hurt last week uh, with some sort of ankle or foot injury. Um, and now they're apparently down a cornerback as well. Um, I will go to you once again, Neil, uh, as you are an NFC East representative uh, three quarters of the NFC East is here, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what are, What are your thoughts here on uh, Dominique Rogers-Cromartie being uh, indefinitely suspended? At the present time, from the New York Giants.
0: Well, you just. Well, first of all, how can you expect anybody to anybody take take your head coach seriously with hair like that? <laughs> 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 Se- secondly, wow. Jay, I would I would say that these sort of things always happen when your team is own five. You know, you, you these sort of cracks in the in the in the wallpaper. Uh, they they become apparent and, and guys start uh, going a little bit off 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 kilter and and you know when you're winning winning cures everything but when you're losing that's when the issues come and Cromarty's probably no surprise that he's one of the first ones to uh, to start uh, throwing his toys out the pram uh, obviously <laughs> the injuries the injuries were were uh, devastating for the Giants and I'm truly gutted for them <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, who... Yeah, Andy, I mean, this
1: was not the New York team we thought was going to be 0-5 at this point.
3: Yeah, the Giants have serious, serious problems. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Football is a game of regression. Um, year-over-year regression, game-to-game regression. And, you know, you look at all of the fancy free agent signings the Giants brought in last year and the level at which every single one of them played there was just no way that was going to happen again and it's not that listen olivier vernon former dolphin he's a really good player. Janoris jenkins is a really good player but you know they weren't going to play at that high level again and something stinks there's something that stinks very rotten inside the giants building and i'm not precisely sure what that is but really quickly on beckham you know if if you hearken back to the early 2000s and Eli Manning's embryonic days um, as a member of the Giants, there's a reason that Tiki Barber and Jeremy Shockey, who at the end of their Giants careers were still wildly, wildly productive offensive players for that team, there's a reason that both of those guys were jettisoned from the locker room in consecutive years. It's because they were loud personalities, And they would drown Eli out. And the Giants organization, in the mid-2000s, they made a decision, listen, we need to strap our wagon to Eli. Eli's not a strong enough leader or personality to contend with Chucky and Tiki. We need to get rid of them. So they did. I think we are currently reaching, and listen, I don't mean to pick on the guy after he blows up his ankle, whatever. It's not my intention. But I think we are currently reaching a metastasization point. And a similar point with Odell Beckham, where going forward, if the Giants are gung ho about paying Odell Beckham what he thinks he deserves, which is quarterback money, you're already paying a quarterback quarterback money. And I think it's kind of like the old west like this town ain't big enough for the both of us i don't i think there is something very stinky and rotten organizationally and culturally with the with with the giants that will prevent them from retaining both eli and beckham going forward i think that is a, a choice that they are going to have to make within the next 6 months or so um yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if it's McAdoo. I don't know if it's Eli being kind of a soft leader, which is what he's always been, and not getting people in line. But there's something wrong, man. There's something wrong with the Giants. And that's a, historically a very well-run organization. It's an organization that I think values continuity almost to a fault. I think the Giants are always slow to fire people, which is better than the alternative, better that than be the Browns and fire your GM and head coach every 18 months. But I think the Giants are conservative, almost to a fault, resistant to change, almost to a fault. And I think things need to change very, very, very soon, whether that's with Beckham, Eli, Jerry Reese, all of the above, I don't know. But the Giants need to turn the page this offseason. And, and, and they will. They're a well-organization and I think they will.
1: Well, what's funny about that, James, is they felt they needed to turn the page from Tom Coughlin not too long ago either.
2: And McAdoo was the offensive coordinator, so they figured they'd keep the guy in the house, retain all the other staff. They uh, kept the same defensive coordinator. There was no changes over there. And one tends to wonder how much of this team's success was actually to Coughlin's guiding hand, because right now... I mean, you could even see it last year towards the end of the season where they failed to score 20 points in something like the last five games of the year. And, I mean, something's rotten in Gotham, period. Just, you know, as I said earlier, um, organizationally through the coaching staff, there's something just not right with this team. And while I don't feel bad for them at all, but, I mean, for – league-wide success. This is one of the flagship teams, if you will, that people tend to turn in every week to look at on a regular basis, you know, even if they're casual fans. And for this team to be 0-5 is puzzling beautiful. at best and, you know, abysmal at worst. So.
3: That's pretty beautiful, actually. And just really quickly, one thing about the organizational change, pivoting from Coughlin to McAdoo and basically retaining everyone under them, that's not an organizational change. That's a continuation. I mean, this is still from a player personnel standpoint and a cultural standpoint. This is very much still a Coughlin, Eli era team, uh, Jerry Reese era team. Make no mistake about that. Uh, they, 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 That wasn't very much of a change. And to their credit, it looked like it worked for a year. Listen, newsflash, when you haphazardly chuck a quarter billion dollars at football players and free agency, you might have a good defense for a year. It might work out. And very much like the, who, let's be honest, they were constructed in a similar haphazard free agent happy way, very much like the 2015 Jets. I think the 2016 Giants kind of gave their fans and their organization a false sense of hope and a false sense of we're really close when, in fact, they just weren't. Uh, The Jets weren't. When the Jets built that team, that Revis, Brandon Marshall, Buster Screen, Eric Decker team, they squeezed the 10 and six record out of them and thought they were better than they were, then came crashing down the next year. I don't think the giants were as good as their 11 and five record last year. And you know, the proof is in the statistical pudding this year, they're all and five, probably going to go four and 12. Uh, so uh, yeah, as I said, the giants need to shake things up in a very, very big way. And given culturally how resistant they are to change and how much they value continuity, I'm not sure they will.
0: My eyebrows were raised when, uh, when they did get rid of, uh, of the, of the coach and nobody else. And then the following uh, off-season, then Reese goes absolutely nuts in free agency, which is something the Giants don't generally do. And that all points to me that there's something there with the GM. The GM either think he's in trouble or he he is in trouble. Uh, And this year, poor drafting, certainly for the last couple of years, poor drafting. And just look at that offensive line. Other teams with poor offensive lines did stuff in the off-season. Giants did nothing. And that offensive line is absolutely destroying their season. Agreed. I'm okay Good. with that.
1: <laughs> All right. Next topic on on the list is there was a trade this week. Adrian Peterson, no longer with the New Orleans Saints, now with the Arizona Cardinals. Our superfan Dr. Jones <laughs> our super fan Dr. Jones writes in his preview, which you can read at nextfanup.wordpress.com. dot wordpress dot com. Uh well, meh. If he can be the AP of 2015, sure. If he's the AP of 2017, no, thank you. This team has been talking about stockpiling our conditional picks for the past six months, and now they want us fans to believe this is the right move. I'm not buying it. Just another fading light passing through the valley on his way to the old folks home, a la Emmitt Smith and many others. And with our O-line play, you won't see much daylight playing in this offense. Uh, MJ, the uh, Arizona Cardinals with the former New Orleans Saints running back will be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that sounds like uh, it's most mostly related to your division.
5: Personally, I think Adrian Peterson has passed his prime. Um, Two to three years ago, I would have probably tried to get rid of him and get something better for my team. At this point, he's got, he's had a great career, but he's in his twilight years. As far as the game goes, as much as I hate to say it, my money's on Tampa Bay. And I hate picking anybody in my division other than my Falcons. But realistically, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think Arizona's got enough. I think this one is easily on Tampa Bay's uh, list to get a W.
1: I mean, the question really is: I mean, Adrian Peterson might be old, but he's had a couple years off thanks to, you know, hitting his kid Obvious. with a switch. Yeah. But uh, I mean, is he done? I don't know if he's done.
2: Well, uh, let me let me jump in real quick. Having recently played Arizona this past week, um, and I don't know if you want to actually call that playing, i uh, never ever seen a front four dominate five guys so thoroughly without the blitz in my life. Um, whether he can still play or not at this point behind that line is almost irrelevant because they can't block. Um I find out right when the game starts that their starting guard, they just signed last Friday. So that offensive line is still in flux. They have a quarterback who can't move, who doesn't threaten anybody with any mobility whatsoever. And you want to put, again, an aging Adrian Peterson, who may still have something left, but we'll never know because they don't have an offensive line that can open up half a hole for him. So, I mean, unless something changes with their offensive line, and here we and retooling the same thing that we touched on earlier this season, their offensive line is in shambles.
5: The, the other thing to consider, <clears throat> we've seen this before. Think about Steven Jackson and the Falcons just a few years ago. When we signed Steven Jackson, he, had, he still had something left in the tank, but our offensive line was garbage. So, again, we've already seen within the last five years what happens to a great running back on a team with no blocking. You get poor performance, and nobody remembers anything positive about that year. And, unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen to Adrian Peterson. He's not going to have a line. People are always going to say, well, he's still got something left in the tank, but he's got nobody to block for him. So that's that's why I say he's done especially if, like, I don't, I don't know how long the deal was with Arizona, but depending on how much longer he spends out there, this is the end of his career.
6: Yeah, guys, I just wanted to weigh in on AP. Um, he's like Tiger Woods at this point. We all love him because he was a great player and we want him, but he's done, absolutely done. Uh, I mean, as everyone was saying, offensive line is going to be his biggest problem. I mean, just look last year. The Vikings had the one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line in the league. He got injured because the offensive line's garbage, and he's sort of injury prone. And while he was playing, if you just look at his stats, I don't know the exact numbers right now, but I'm pretty sure he had like around 35 carries for 70 yards. So he's while he while he was playing last year, he wasn't productive, and he was and he was healthy weeks one and two. So the guy is. I, I, th- I thought he's been done for a while. Um, he had a great 2015 season, but he's, he's just he is just kaput, and it's sad to see. But I do think the Cardinals are going to win this game.
3: Just one last yeah? thing on the Cardinals. I do think I- it's funny how organizationally the Cardinals have always been the place that you go right before you retire and try to rekindle some magic. Kurt Warner had one foot on the golf course before he signed there. He signed there on a one-year veteran minimum. Three years later, he goes to a Super Bowl, puts up three of the most prolific passing years the league has ever seen. Carson Palmer also post-Oakland. I mean, playing for the Raiders makes anyone want to retire. But post-Oakland, Carson Palmer, he also had one foot on the golf course. Goes to Arizona, puts up a couple pretty good years and one fantastic year. Um. And then, you know, even back to the days of Emmitt Smith, I think rushed for a thousand yards once, albeit on like three and a half yards a carry. They fed him the ball like 400 times, but he rushed for like a thousand yards once in Arizona. I think Edgerrin James, believe Edrin it or not, James, also yeah. rushed for a thousand yards uh, towards the t- tail end of his career uh, before he was replaced by Hightower on that Super Bowl team. I, th- I just think it's funny how the Cardinals they just love getting these old guys and see if they can squeeze anything out of them and to their credit, you know, it does work sometimes They had a really good team two years ago. So I I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you guys. I don't think Peterson's completely done. Um, I think this is a pretty low risk, uh, moderate size reward move for the Cardinals. Remember this team, isn't built to win down the road. This team is very much built to win now. So you want to do everything you can to win right now. And frankly, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm looking around at the division. I'm like, all right, are the Seahawks really that good? Is Jared Goff really that good? Like, I don't know. The Cardinals are two and two. Uh, I think I think it was a, a move worth making, personally.
1: I think it was only like a sixth-round draft choice. So, yeah. Conditional sixth, yeah. Yeah, the, the reward definitely outweighs, outweighs the risk there. Uh, last topic here, Cincinnati Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert. Uh, has opted to have season-ending surgery. This is his third procedure on his back. Is Tyler Eifert done, ladies and gentlemen? I say yes.
5: Didn't
2: Gronk did have a procedure well. on his back this off-season?
1: Yes, he did. So, but it wasn't his a, third. That is true. He's not Gronk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. But he did come. I just a can't wait. Injury. So, I mean, there's something to hope for in that.
3: I just can't wait till the Dolphins inevitably sign Tyler Eifert this coming March. I mean, between Jordan Cameron in 2015 and Julius Thomas this year, I mean, it it seems as though Mike Tannenbaum just loves signing these post-hype, I was really valuable in fantasy four years ago type of tight ends. I mean, he he just has Dolphins written all
0: over him, and he's going to suck. He'll he'll go very well with Chris Hogan when you re-sign him. (laughs) (laughs) Well done for the callback, Neil.
1: Uh, And that's going to do it for the topics. By the way, speaking of injuries, October 18th, a date to mark down, as that is the date teams that have placed players on the physically unable to perform list can start practicing with those players. So I have a feeling there's going to be an influx of Semi-healthy players coming here in the very near future. Uh, All right. Time for some of our superfan battles. Here we go.
7: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Green Bay Brian here, joined by Joe, our Viking superfan. How are you doing, Joe? Pretty good. Uh, Fox has deemed this the
8: uh, game of the week, although I'm a little bit upset we don't get... uh, Aaron's, uh, you know, boyfriend, I guess you could say, and uh, Joe Buck calling the game. It's Tom Brennan and Troy Aikman this week.
7: Huh. he must be—he's calling the baseball game, huh? Yeah, something. I don't know. Little, well, uh, I would say feel like I got think he's more Troy Aikman's boyfriend than Aaron Rodgers' boyfriend, but I won't quibble over that.
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, there will be no uh, subjectivity in this broadcast this week. That's for sure.
7: I suppose, not. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm really looking forward to a great game. I think the Packers are probably the more balanced team right now, but Minnesota is always a really tough place for us to play. I think on offense, it'd be a huge help if David Bakhtiari were back this week. Lane Taylor's played well enough at left tackle the last two weeks, but I'm nervous about having him and Justin McRae, two guards really holding down the entire left side of the line in what will probably be a pretty noisy environment. And, against the best defensive line we've faced really since Seattle in week one. Um, I think Balago will be back this week. He played last week. Um, but I'll say he historically has struggled a little bit against speed rushers, even when he's 100% healthy. And um, he's not going to be 100% healthy basically the rest of the year. Those are his words. And I think the, the defensive end combo of Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, uh, man, it's hard to get much faster than that um so kind of that's what i'm expecting from a protection standpoint good news is we actually saw some signs of life from our running game last week that had me really hopeful that this offense can be one of the best in football i will say i've been a huge Ty montgomery believer but aaron jones showed last week that he deserves playing time too Um, got really good vision runs hard and the truth is we really only need a running game to be just good enough to keep defenses from keying on the pass. And I think Aaron Jones can actually give us a little bit more than that. Um, I'm not quite sure what's up with Jordy this week. Initial reports were that he had a hamstring issue, uh, but McCarthy later denied that report. So they're being really cryptic with, with whatever he's got going on. He did practice today. Um, obviously, we'd love to have him, but I think at the same time, We're as deep at wide receiver as any position, so should be able to pass it well enough as long as the protection will hold up. Um, So I'm curious, kind of, how do you you think the Vikings will stack up on defense against Green Bay?
8: Well, I think that if the Vikings are going to have any kind of success against the uh, Packers offense, it's really going to be that they have to dominate the offensive line. And by that, I mean that, uh, it, it's got to be a lot of controlled rushing, uh, you know, play the run to get to Rogers uh, because the moment that they forget that they need to play the run, you're right. That, uh, that, that new running game that uh, the Packers found last week against the Cowboys could be the death of, you know, the, the Vikings in this game. Uh, right now, Everson Griffin is playing like a guy who wants to win defensive uh, player of the year. And, you know, Daniil Hunter, while he only has two sacks through the first five games of the season, that doesn't mean that he's not making an impact on the game. Uh, there, was a, there was a play against Chicago where Trubisky bootlegged out to the side, didn't find anybody, and Hunter, Hunter who was blocking, had crashed down the line still peeled off of his block and got to uh, Trubisky to keep him from getting a first down. So, I mean, his, his presence is being felt, uh, you know, is as far as the linebackers go, Barr and Kendricks are playing amazing this year. And I think that they need to play really good this game because they need to contain Martellus Bennett. Um, As far as the secondary goes, it's three fifths of the secondary or three fourths of the secondary right now are set. Sandejo is playing like a man possessed this year at strong safety. Harrison Smith is a perennial pro bowler at uh, free safety. And Rhodes Rhodes is just one of the top five corners in the league right now. In fact, he didn't even have a target come his way all last week. Obviously, that's going to change. Rodgers doesn't shy away from any kind of coverage. But I think that the way that the Vikings defense is going to line up this week is is that Rhodes is going to take you know one half of the field, and it doesn't matter who comes in front of him over there, uh, whether it be Nelson or Adams. Uh, I I do think that Rogers will limit his look over there, but uh, but Waynes has got to not commit the dumb penalties that extend drives and and right now I just don't have a lot of confidence that uh, that that's going to be the case and I know that Rogers is going to pick on uh, Trey Waynes all day long.
7: Yeah that's really one of the things we we highlighted last year um, and in that game was you're right we didn't really throw at Xavier Rhodes very often but we went after Trey Waynes as often as we could I think when the Vikings have the ball, uh, we should be focused probably on slowing down their passing attack. Uh, We have been lit up by both Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen last year, so I'm hopeful that the addition of House and Kevin King, if you conclude the concussion protocol, I'm hopeful that that'll help. It also helps that uh, Diggs isn't likely to be 100%. He's such a good route runner. It would certainly benefit Green Bay if that groin injury took a little bit of that explosiveness out of his breaks. It just seems like he has a way of getting lot more wide open than about any wide receiver you know, this side of Antonio Brown. I think he's a really, really strong route runner. Um, I think the Packers have played pretty well against the run this year. Last week, Zeke was able to move the ball on us in the fourth quarter, but Before then, we really kept them in check for pretty much the rest of the day. Uh, I'll be curious to see if we end up playing more nitro defense, where we have the hybrid inside linebacker, or more base defense, where we have kind of the bigger thumpers in there this week, as we try to match up against the likes of McKinnon and Murray and kind of how we plan to cover Kyle Rudolph, who came on a little bit last week. Um, Again, I think the Packers really benefit in that um, Dalvin Cook is not going to be playing this game. I think there's a, a noticeable step down in talent from Cook to either of those other two guys. Uh, from a pass rushing standpoint, we've been a little bit spotty for Green Bay, and I think although the Vikings look better along the offensive line this year, I think Matthews and Perry and Daniels might be able to get some pressure on Case Keenum. And one other player that I kind of want to highlight on the defense who really played really well last week, uh, and honestly he's played pretty well all year, is Blake Martinez. all over the field last week he had that questionable call in the end zone on Dez that really kind of gave them an extra four points on that drive Um, but he was kind of making plays all over the field he led the team in tackles um, and I I think it's only a matter of time before he starts to get a little bit more playing time in Green Bay Um, I don't know what do you think about the Vikings offense
8: well I think that uh, it's going to be more of the same that we saw for the last uh, few weeks you know Against the bad teams, Case Keenum has looked good. Against the good teams, Case Keenum has looked average. But in all of those games, he hasn't been the reason why you know we have lost the game. Uh, he, you know, he, no Vikings quarterback has uh, thrown an interception yet this year. Knock on wood, obviously, because that's a kiss of death. But uh, uh, it's it's really important in a, on a team where a defense is your money ticket to not turn the ball over Uh, against Detroit. We lost 14 to seven because we lost the turnover battle three to nothing. You know, against the Steelers, we lost the turnover battle and we were penalized probably one of the worst games that, uh, you know, we were penalized. Unfortunately, you know, against the, uh, the Packers, the offense isn't going to win this game for them. It's really going to be the defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, uh, McKinnon has to be McKinnon from last week. He can't be the McKinnon that dances in the backfield, gets arm tackled, and then goes down. He needs to run physical. He needs to hit the hole when it's there. And... Same thing with uh, Murray. We paid Murray a lot of money, but the problem is is the guy cannot run through an arm tackle. As soon as he gets touched, it's like he falls down, and it, it's, it, it just baffles me a guy that's 6'3", 230 pounds can't run through an arm tackle. Uh, that being said, um, we, we have to be able to protect Keenum with just our front five and a running back, or even just our front five at all. Uh, we've got to be able to get Rudolph out in the uh, passing area. We've got to take advantage of our running back out of the backfield. And then no matter who it is that's out there running routes, they've got to win their matchup. Thielen consistently wins his matchup. But I think that if Diggs is going to be limited in this game, I think that uh, Michael Floyd, you know, he's just coming back from suspension. He caught a ball last week. um, But uh, Treadwell, Treadwell, if if there was ever going to be an opportunity for Treadwell to – kind of make his stamp on this team as to whether or not he's going to be here going forward, he's probably got to do something in this game against a secondary that is probably one of the most banged up in the league. And if he can't win his matchup against, you know guys that wouldn't be starting for most teams then he's probably not going to make it with the Vikings at all. And so uh, I I think that Keenum just needs to make a couple of plays, you know, probably a touchdown, maybe two. Uh, We got to get a touchdown on the ground. Uh, I think that if we can get to 28 points, we can win this game. That being said, we still have to get to 28 points. Uh, So I don't know. What's your prediction for the game?
7: I think if you guys had a healthy cook, I would have this game a little bit closer. But I think the Packers are playing well enough right now that I kind of think they're going to win by a touchdown in Minnesota. I'd say kind of a lower scoring game. Um, that defense is legit. Uh, but I think our offense is playing uh, as well as we played in quite a long time, especially with the, the introduction of a, you know, uh, a. A quality running game. Uh, we'll see if that can continue this week. Uh, so I'm going to say something like 24-17, Green Bay. What do you think?
8: Yeah, I think that I have it right around there, 24-17, 24-21 is what I uh, what I'm thinking for uh, the final score of the game. This is the Packers' first, uh, you know, one o'clock start time uh, Central time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're uh, if they can get up for the game early enough, but. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, and Devonte Adams are playing at such a high level right now that uh, I, I just think that you know, unless the Vikings bring their A plus game, even with it being at home, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you here. 24-17 probably sounds like uh, like the final score of the game.
7: All right, well there you have it, uh, Packers over the Vikings. You heard it from both Green Bay Brian and Vikings Joe. Take it easy, Vikings Joe. You too. <laughs>
9: This is Justin the Hawk Superfan. I'm here with Jared the Rams super fan and Ryan the Jaguar Superfan. They're gonna be doing a super fan battle about their upcoming game, a game of two teams, absolutely fierce defenses and young quarterbacks. So let's go ahead and just start off with you, Jared. Um just coming off a hard fought game against my Seahawks. What do you expect you're gonna see when you have your offense out on the field?
10: Well, I really hope they don't abandon the run like we did against you guys last week. Um, But yeah, the Jags defense, I mean, they got great players everywhere, but man, especially their cornerbacks are so good. It just seems like the way to attack them is just to be patient and run the ball, set up third and short. um, And just, I really hope they feed Todd Gurley, give him 22 to 25 carries, maybe even some passes out of the backfield. And just don't abandon the run like we did last week. I think the Jags have one of the were the lower ended um, run defenses, so it's definitely the way to attack them. And yeah, they got and if they do pass, just get out quick because they got a pretty good pass rush too.
9: So same question to you, Ryan. Obviously, your team right now is uh, definitely hanging its hat primarily on its defense, especially that pass defense, which thus far through the season might be the best in in the league. Um, how do you anticipate the game is going to flow when uh, the Rams have the ball?
11: How about it? What a matchup! Rams Jaguars is interesting. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I I have one quick question. If you have to answer yes or no, Jared, uh, because I'm not really sure, is Jared Goff mobile?
10: He's mobile enough. He's not. He's more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady. Um, he's mobile-ish, I'd say. He can, he can step out of the pass rush. You saw it mostly in the Niners game, but he did have a 22-yard run last week, but that was definitely an anomaly. But he's not going to run on you like Tyrod or Watson.
11: So I think that's really key against Jacksonville. That's my theory on my team this year, is a running game and a mobile quarterback will kill us, and anything else is uh, is fair game that Jacksonville could win. So I kind of think that'll be key. And I also think our shoddy run defense is kind of not really true. I don't think it's the best in the league, but there were flute plays against the Jets and a weird second half against Tennessee where our offense just couldn't do anything. So I don't think the run defense is as bad as it appears, but certainly if the Rams come out trying to fire, uh, throwing deep passes on offense or whatever, I think that's a way to lose, and that's what I hope to see. That's when Saxonville comes up, and Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boyer. oh, my gosh, I'm so excited, making interceptions. So I think it's really important, if I were a Rams fan, that I want to see my team run and see Jared Goff avoid sacks. but I'm obviously hoping to see the other way. And um, I'm kind of feeling feeling good about the defense, honestly.
9: Uh, Let me ask you this, though. Right now, do you think – The Jaguars have the best defense in the league. I mean, from my perspective, um, even, you know, uh, running stats aside, it's a passing league and uh, I don't think anybody's uh, stopping the pass. Maybe outside of Denver as well as Jacksonville is at the moment.
11: Gosh, I want to, you know, I'm just going to say yes and run with it. I don't know (laughs) if I fully believe it. I think it is a top five defense for sure. And yeah, you mentioned Denver. Who knows if Seattle just, completely flip the switch and turn back to what they can do. Um, but, I mean, right now, through, through uh, five weeks of the season, you can make an argument, and I will. We can rush the passer, and we have guys finally making takeaways, already matched last year's total. Um, this is a defense – I don't think any, no one else can say this as far as – no one else can. This is a defense that had one game with ten sacks and one game with five interceptions. And that's really impressive. And then the Ravens game was completely just shutting down the Ravens for a little while. So they can do it in a lot of different ways. So, so why not? Yeah, best defense, Jacksonville.
9: <laughs> All right. Uh,
10: How now... in the world did you guys lose to the Jets? I just can't wrap ah! my brain around that. <laughs> <laughs> the Ravens by forty, and then you lose to the Jets. I just, I know there's that fluke play, but yeah, it's just, I just see the Jaguars as kind of like the Rams of two thousand. 14 or 15 like I think if Jeff Fisher if they said hey pick any team in the NFL you could coach in this year he would pick the Jaguars in a heartbeat because they pound the <laughs> ball at you running they have no passing game and their defense is just ridiculously good like I feel like the Rams are almost playing themselves in this game I like it I like it because uh, someone's playing themselves and in their head we're we gonna beat you
9: all right, speaking of, no, speaking of no passing game, though, the Jaguars have no passing game. Blake Bortles, like, there's, like, protecting your quarterback, and they're just saying you are not allowed under any circumstance to, to move the ball forward with your hand. You will hand it to Leonard Fournette, and that's it. Uh, is that going to work against this Rams defense?
11: So I think the X factor, and it's hard to call him an X factor because he's, like, the best in the league, but it's definitely Aaron Donald. Because if somebody like that just wrecks our day, that, that could just ruin everything. And you never know when Blake Bortles is going to turn in his crazy fumbling and interception mode. Um, that being said, it's all about Fournette, and that's what we want to do. And the other thought I had about the offense recently, which made me a little nervous, is, uh, look, I love Marquise Lee. I love Aaron Hearns because they're on my team. But if you just look at the offensive skill position people for the Jaguars, I think it ranks pretty low in the whole league, uh, and that scares me because we lost Allen Robinson. If we had Allen Robinson and Leonard Fournette, then it's going to be up pretty high. But Marquis really hasn't done too much, and it just doesn't really seem like a deep group. And so, yeah, we're going to hide Blake Bortles if we're going to hope Leonard Fournette saves the day pretty much every week. Last week he threw 14 passes. This week let's see 13 and get a win.
12: I don't care.
9: <laughs> but I mean that, that's the big question though right Jared uh you know I think that you know you're probably not going to put up 30 points like you've been doing game after game from from most of the season um are you going to be able to contain this Jacksonville offense especially the the big man Leonard
4: Fournette
10: you know if we would have played them two weeks ago I'd be really scared At, starting about halftime of the Cowboys we just somehow figured out our defense we've been playing good the last game and a half so i'm not saying we're definitely going to stop them but um i think starting john johnson and safety s- solved a lot of stuff in the back end and i think as long as they can just stop them for two three yard games and force blake bortle for even like a third and five that even that kind of stuff for longer i think that's the key and another key is just not get like not getting in a hole like if the rams get down 14 nothing or something like that and they abandon the run, then they're toast. But if they can get an early lead and force the Jags to throw, I think that's the key. I think getting a lead early is going to be really key in
9: this game. All right. Prediction time. We're going to start with you, Ryan. How is this game going to go and uh, who's going to win? What's the final score?
11: Well, it's funny you mentioned an early lead, because that seems to be the only way the Jaguars win games. And that's our formula is we get a lead and then let our pass rushers loose and for some mistakes and take the interception. So, hoping finally uh, at home uh, the Jaguars get up to a you know a ten nothing lead or something, and then it's basically game over. So I'm going to predict a little. Uh, let go with
5: twenty eight to seventeen Jaguars.
9: All right, Jared, can turn it over to you. Same question. Uh, how do you expect the game is going to go? Uh, what do you think the final score is going to be?
10: You know, I'm really hoping they follow the game script from the Cowboys and just do short stuff, middle of the field Cowboys or hit running backs tight ends. And, you know, maybe just something low scoring. Like I could see 1713, something in that realm and Rams pull off a thriller. Yeah. Like I said, the Jags Rams, what a thriller, but one of the better games this week. That's why you love the NFL.
9: All right, well, there you go. I think this is going to be an, a game I'm honestly looking forward to quite a bit. I think we're going to see, especially along both defensive fronts, absolute fireworks. So, this one should be a slobber knocker. So, Jared, Ryan, gentlemen, thank you.
10: Thanks, guys.
4: All right. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks,
7: guys. The most important
13: superfan battle this week, and that is a battle between me, your Kansas City Super Fan, Nick and Greg, our Steelers super fan. The Steelers are coming to Arrowhead, and this is going to be, I think, a pretty good game. Um, and, and so, Greg, I mean, th- there's a lot of angles on this, but the first one I just wanted to get into is just, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of storylines with each of our quarterbacks, that our quarterbacks sort of going in two different directions, um, both pretty surprisingly. So, I mean, just, just first off, what the heck is going on with Big Ben?
12: Well, I do think... Uh... Ben's age is starting to catch up with him a little bit, but his demise has been greatly uh, over-exaggerated. They've had uneven play like this before, and I feel like it's mainly just the uneven play. Uh, You know, there's still a lot of moving pieces with the Steelers' offense, including Mortavis Bryant, and also they were missing their right tackle last week, which allowed some pressures. So I think they're still trying to gel, which is really disturbing since we're in, what, week six now, and they still haven't gelled. So I'm definitely not in full panic mode right now, but I'm definitely having an eyebrow raise just with the offense. Still haven't not gelled we week, six weeks into the season. That's very concerning for us. Um but what do you think about Smith? I mean Smith's been playing out of his mind and I'm the professed Smith's hater on this podcast, so I mean he's made me eat some crow this year. Uh what is he doing materially different or what what are they doing that what have they added to the offense that allowed him to succeed like
4: this?
13: It's honestly perplexing. I mean, it just truly is because literally everything that Alex Smith has been bad at for all previous 12 years of his NFL career, he is now not only passable, he's like very good at. I mean, all of his problems of his game before, you know, it was it was well known. I mean, to the, to the point that, like, that he was basically a punchline in the NFL for being conservative and just sort of generally mediocre, but good enough to get you to win a bunch of regular season games. And that was a combination of rates. now just absolutely every one of those things has turned around i mean he is throwing into tight windows he's throwing wide receivers open um and when he now scrambles out of the side i mean especially as we saw last week against the texans um he's used the threat of his run to open things up in the passing game and he'll go out there uh you know and on these long third downs and that was always the issue is that it would be like a typical play that would drive chiefs fans nuts at all oh, Alex Smith doesn't like what he sees. He's a little too conservative to actually try to throw anything. And so he's going to run, you know, scramble and then slide for six yards on a third and eight. You know, now Smith is running out and whether, you know, and it was just converting every single one of those third longs against the Texans, third and eight, third and 15. And cause he would then he'd run out, use the threat of his run to keep defenders kind of moving towards him and wait until something opened up and actually hit it, throw over those defenders heads. I mean, it's just been nuts. And the fact is that he is, either number 1 or top 5 in just a number of, you know, the main statistical categories in the NFL playing at an MVP level and this is something you just don't see happen with a quarterback in their 13th season just turn around their game like a 180 like this. There is no game in his Chiefs career led more to the Chiefs trading two first round picks for a quarterback and basically setting a timer on his replacement than the playoff performance against the Steelers, which is really just, you know, what was it, nine, ten months ago, uh, where the Steelers came to the Chiefs' house. Uh, the Chiefs had uh, had you know, fought for home field advantage first round offense to no touchdowns, and Smith couldn't get a win. That said, uh, that Steelers' defense that bottled up the Chiefs' in the game seems like it's still pretty much intact there.
12: Yeah, I mean, the Steelers are coming into this game incredibly healthy. They actually have nobody that will miss the game because of injury. So that's pretty uh nice. But that January game that we're you're referring to, that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Uh, I mean the, the Steelers from what I remember and what I looked up with some of the stats seemed to dominate the overall game flow but couldn't score any touchdowns because of that stout defense. And I know like Eric Berry was in that game, which he's not there now. And so I'm just I'm hopeful, but I'm also very pessimistic with the lack of continuity on the offense so far this year. For the style of game that we're going to see, I mean, I mean, hopefully for the Steelers' sake, some weather will move in and make this more of a a similar matchup to last year's uh, October game in Pittsburgh, where it was a little drizzly and the uh, the Kansas City offensive line kind of was a lot, had to hold hold their blocks a bit longer, and uh, Cameron Haywood really racked. Uh, havoc on that entire offense the first quarter and won the game, essentially. So I think that is what I'm really hoping happens again, <laughs> and that's probably like one of those once-in-a-decade you know a decade type games, but outside of that, I don't see how with, with the, the one big difference is this year, I think the Chiefs had a legitimate running threat in Kareem Hunt, and I just don't know how the Steelers coming off their performance against Jacksonville last week with Fournette, I don't know how they're going to stop Hunt on the following week, because I do think Hunt is more of a dynamic NFL back because he can catch it. He can read his blocks better than Fournette can. He might not be as fast and as strong, but I think he's overall a better player. So I'm mostly concerned about Hunt coming into this game.
13: Well, and, and you led me into what I was thinking in terms of the way this game is going to go. Um, I think both teams just were scarred by by past performance in that way and that you know the Steelers have not – bottled up the run very well. Granted, I mean, like, Fournette ran for, like, what, 181 or something last week on new guys, but, I mean, he also had a single 90-yard run. Also, I mean, similarly, I mean, uh, Lujan Bell basically controlled the game uh, between our two teams. You know, the Chiefs' run defense definitely showed some holes against the Texans uh, last week as well. So I think both of these teams are going to basically sell out to try to stop uh, the run. I I think how it's going to go is they're going to be stacking the box the Steelers are going to hope that, uh, that Kelsey has not recovered from the concussion protocol. And yeah, we still don't really know he's in the concussion protocol and he just posted a video on Twitter of him eating like ghost pepper potato chips and crying. So I don't know what that really says. If that's encouraging in terms of where he is in the protocol, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance he's out. And so the Steelers are going to try to stack it up, uh, try to stop Kareem Hunt then has just been off on, on his deep throwing. Um, they, they like to trust their um, their corners and man-to-man on, on the edges and just make him keep throwing those, uh, those deep balls into in single coverage against our good corners. Um, I, I mean, do you think that's going to be the approach? And if so, are, are you feeling good about that?
12: Well, I think the overall approach is that they've got a lot of criticism for go- not running the ball more. And so I think Bell has to be a larger part of the game plan. Um, Martavis Bryant... Needs to step up. He, ha- I mean, he was coming off the flu last week, but he has not looked like the uber-athlete that everyone thought we were getting back. And that's probably rust. but now it's week six, and rust has to come off. I think, uh, you know, in last year in the October matchup, Sammy Coates, of all people who can't play for the Browns right now, beat Peters deep. <laughs> and I think they're going to take shots at Peters if they're willing to do it with Coates. I don't know why they wouldn't be willing to do it with Bryant. And I think Bryant is a much better athlete, a much better threat. So, I, I mean, I really think he's going to be my X factor. Is Can Bryant step up and actually look like the guy we thought he was going to be?
13: And I do think that if the the Steelers try to, I mean, whether Kelsey plays or not, and they try to eliminate him and, and try to slow down the run game and, and just, just hope that, you know, that Alex Smith, you know, reverts to his uh, you know, to his not deep throwing self or whatever. I mean, what they've been using Tyreek Hill uh for is that he's so fast and corners are just so scared of his deep speed that he creates space wherever he is. And basically, you know, cuz if he just starts sprinting downfield, the they will give him like the quarterbacks will just take off on like a 10-yard head start. So he will run like a comeback and have no one within 5 yards of him because basically if you're step for step with Tyreek Hill, you're about to get beat. And so I think the Chiefs are going to be able to get production on it. Travis Kelsey, and yeah, the constant uh, Andy Reid trick plays uh, are still going to work more or less with uh, with, with the backup tight ends. I mean, none of them are as consistent, and obviously none of them are as just a phenomenal matchup threat and an athlete like Kelsey is. But if uh, but if he, if he's not playing, I still think they're going to get uh, plenty of production there, and it's just really going to be a question of whether Ben is going to going to write the ship and if they are. Uh, Gonna actually feed Le'Veon Bell.
12: Yeah, I agree. I have to say, another underrated matchup is the injuries on your O line. I'll be watching that injury report very closely because if I can get the former Brown, uh, Cam Irving, out there, I'll be uh, drooling. So, I, I actually think that's probably <laughs> one of the, the the most the thing I'll be tracking the most heading up to the game.
13: Yeah, and that's—I would say that would be top of the list of most Chiefs fans' concerns because, I mean, literally, we're—it's we're, all backups in the interior lineup, and we'll see. I mean, some of those guys are getting healthy, and but it, it's been a weird mix. And but honestly, I think it's a credit to Alex Smith that it hasn't been more of an issue. I think Smith is still—I mean, he was going into last week, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league, um, and some of those are sacks that he just takes somewhat voluntarily that he's—he's not going to. Even though he has been throwing deeper, and he's been throwing tighter. He still hasn't thrown an errant, bad, desperate, you know, desperate throw. And and if it's just like it's collapsing around him, he doesn't like what he sees in terms of throws. I mean, he'll just take the take the hit. But yeah, I mean, Cam Irving, who we traded for uh, in training camp, he gave us the full experience. I saw a little bit of tape breakdown on him, um, and basically he was a turnstile several times. He had some okay snaps, and then you know when he got out in space on like some of those uh, Kareem Hunt runs his athleticism athleticism (laughs) showed up and he, I mean, he just like pancaked a bunch of dudes on several plays. So, I mean, you get the good and the bad with him. um, But luckily again, Smith has just been so sharp that it hasn't turned up yet, but I'm sure the Steelers are going to try to find ways to exploit that and just rush right up the middle. Give me your prediction and, and, you know, any more texture, any more X factors you got.
12: Well, I think I'm uh, after the playoff game. I'm legally obligated to say that the Steelers will only kick field goals, and especially since that's what they did last week. So I'm going to say the Steelers are going to get 15, and we'll say the like the, the Chiefs will have 14. I'll just I'll be, homer it up. I I really don't feel that positive about this game, but I've been wrong before. This is the classic uneven Tomlin Steelers early in the season. So I'll say 15, 14 Steelers, and uh, all field goals, of course. <laughs>
13: Yeah. In terms of the next factor for the Chiefs, I mean, I, I already mentioned Tyree Akil, so I don't need to talk more about him. I, I would throw out as, as another one there, uh, Chris Jones. I mean, he, you guys have a, have a pretty stout offensive line, but I saw a you know, pounce. on the injury report for you guys now uh, and saw some crazy stat that the Chiefs, when rushing just three, have gotten pressure on like 45% of snaps, according to PFF, uh, which is just nuts. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like a Madden cheat code. If you're able to get Big Ben, I mean, one of the things we've seen with him is his mobility is not, well, it, yeah, it's not what it used to be. He's not shrugging off his hits. He's not moving around quite as much. And Chris Jones is going to be able to disrupt some things up the middle. And, and if that's the case, then maybe, uh, you know, some of those shots they try to pick on Peters, uh, Peters will pick right back. Uh, my prediction, you know, and again, I, I, I could see this this one going either way, but I'll, just, I'll, I'll say Chiefs win it 2720
12: there. All right. I like
1: it. Cheers. Pigskin pick them time as we thank the super fans for their Superfan fan battles. Uh, the update on what's going on here for the race to $50 worth of Taco Bell. Lovely, delicious, uh, nutritious gift certificate. Uh, Our Jaguar superfan is currently leading the way with 53. DZO 69 at 52 is in second. And a two-way tie at third between our Colts superfan Dan and Kevin, our Cowboys superfan. Good job, Kevin. I will do anything for Taco Bell. Uh, I am all the way back in seventh place, tied once again with – uh, Secret squirrel. Now there's a man with a uh, mountain beard for you, uh, Neil. Uh, I know James. You were you were afraid you were in last place of people that were actually still making picks. And no, <laughs> the that uh, that honor belongs to Josh, our Lions super fan, uh, followed by Greg, our Steelers super fan, who is then followed by Neil. Our mm-hmm. Redskin super fan, not uh, not picking the games that well this year, Neil. I had a, <laughs> a,
0: a monumental score of three this week, which uh, oh, this says four. Same so. when you, nailed, you were four. for zero. Yeah. Oh, four! Wow, that's yeah. like twenty five percent better. <laughs> you you had four
1: uh josh had five james i don't even know where you are let me see where can i oh there you are you're in a tie for 18th place currently you also Ooh. had five picks had five huh. well yeah. how, how do people get four and five was last week a hard week or something I
6: picked Dallas. No,
2: we. but you have uh let's see the steelers losing at home to jacksonville um an even game between the Colts and the diners going into overtime the Bengals beating the Bills kind of got me as well. So, I mean, it was several games across the board that were just completely last, out of whack.
1: Last week was not an easy one. I I had seven correct last week. Let me look and see if I can find what the average was on ESPN.com here real quick. Unfortunately, exactly. I don't know what the average was for last week, but um, needless to was say, quite low. yeah, needless to say, there were a lot of people that had single digits. Uh, for their picks last week. Uh, As we like to do going into this segment, our uh, players of the week for week five in the AFC, uh, the Chargers running back Melvin Gordon, Jaguars linebacker Telvin Smith, and Colts kicker, the ageless wonder Adam Vinatieri uh, was the special teams player of the week in the AFC. In the NFC, it was Aaron Rodgers uh, on Mm. offense. Uh, Earl Thomas, perhaps the future Hall of Famer, (laughs) Earl Thomas According to Tony Um, Dungy, yes No, Tony Dungy said no Uh, By the way, Rodney Harrison Sitting next to him also said no It was Dan Patrick who was putting Earl Thomas into the Hall of Fame Apparently, I knew one of them did it (laughs) For the other two Uh, And Kenyon Barner Was your special teams player of the week uh, In the NFC For week five Uh, One last position. (laughs) One last note about uh, what's going on in the NFL right now before we get into the picks. There are currently 21 teams within one game of the 500 winning percentage, and that is the most through week five in the salary cap era, which they say uh, started in 1994. Uh, So a bunch of teams still in it uh, as they are one game away from 500. Uh, Interesting note. There. Uh the Thursday night game uh, James and Nick did a wonderful job breaking down uh that game on our Wednesday show. So if you missed it, well, you also missed my conversation with Stefania Bell from the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. So you'll want to go back and check that out in the archives on iTunes or anywhere great podcasts are heard. The first game on the docket is the Miami Dolphins and the Atlanta Falcons. And I do have a note regarding this particular game, and it is about, oh, the Miami Dolphins, Andy. Uh, oh, yeah. The Dolphins, oh, yeah. Lay offense, it on, the Dolphins offense is on pace for the fewest points per game and yards per game in franchise mm-hmm. history. They've scored only three offensive touchdowns this season. Every other team in the NFL has scored at least seven. Fifteen indivi- individual players have scored more Offensive touchdowns than the entire Dolphins team. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you're at the Falcons. Oh, look at, I have super fans here. We could do a super fan battle real quick.
4: I don't
1: know if that's really necessary, though, because we're all pretty much going with the Falcons here, Andy.
3: Yeah. So the Falcons are going to win. Um, they're probably going to win by more than 10 points Uh, we're probably not going to roll up 250 yards of offense if we do it'll be because of a broken play and Falcons missing tackles which they don't tend to do they have a pretty good defense these days or at least it seems as though they do Um, listen our only very much like most Dolphin teams of the past decade our only chance this game frankly, is if our pass rush gets hot. If Wake and Charles Harris, Charles Harris, by the way, who looked fantastic against the Titans, against uh, admittedly Gimpy, but still Taylor Luan um, trying to block him, he looked unbelievable last week. If Wake and Harris knock down Matt Ryan on half of his first half dropbacks and they start trying to run the ball even more, that'll play directly into our hands. But at the end of the day, I just don't see Cutler doing enough. I just don't see the offense doing enough. The there's, and I'm not frankly, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of it. You know, say whatever you want to say about Jake Cutler. Jake Cutler has won way too many games and thrown for way too many yards and way too many touchdowns in this league for him to legitimately look this bad. He's not this bad. He just isn't. Devonte Parker can't separate to save his life. The dude, is this the same Devontae Parker that I've been... I don't know, there's, you know, Tunsil can't block anyone. He's the 13th overall pick that a lot of people had going one. Is he that big a bust? I I just, the dude made a Pro Bowl last year as a rookie. Like, I just, I I just really, and that's why I kind of remain cautiously, cautiously optimistic is that I just, as bad as we've looked, we're still somehow, by the grace of Jehovah, we are still somehow two and two. And I just refuse to believe that we are legitimately and fundamentally this bad on offense. And the defense, an underrated storyline is that the defense, the Dolphins, quietly have a top five defense in the NFL by basically any statistical category you want to measure. Now, we haven't played great offenses, whatever, but, like, that's not even true. We've played Phil Rivers and Drew Brees in two out of our four games. So I don't even know if I buy that, really. I mean, our defense is quietly being good. If our offense can be league average, we're going to stare 9-7, and and 10-6 straight in the face. Um, but they just need to get it together, and I don't think they will this week. I think it's going to be 27-17 Falcons. Uh, it'll be 27-10 for most of the fourth quarter. We're going to score a backdoor touchdown to make it look a little cosmetically better. But, yeah, the Falcons are going to win by two scores.
0: Hey, uh, MJ, MJ, uh-huh. is is it is Atlanta going to get a great buzz playing without Miami line? <laughs> All
4: I, 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 right, I somebody's good. got jokes. <laughs> We've got jokes.
3: Everyone got quick, jokes. I'm...
2: Real quick yeah. injuries. You mentioned Devonte Parker. He didn't practice and is not practicing this week thus far because of his ankle injury. wow oh, he he's not, not to playing? You can forget about him. Julio Jones is still nursing his hip injury. He was limited. Muhammad Sanu nursing his hamstring won't practice. And Vic Beasley uh, is confirmed to actually be playing this coming Sunday, but he's being held out of practice as a precautionary reason.
5: And honestly, I hope Beasley doesn't play. I'd like for him to get one more week.
1: MJ, you want to add anything to about the uh, Falcons here, other than the fact that uh, we all like the Falcons to win? Here's here's the question. This is what I see for this week because there's a lot of games that I think look lopsided uh, on the schedule this week, and we know that they won't all turn out lopsided. This is a gamblers suckers week because the line increased, uh, started at nine and a half. It's now up to eleven and a half in favor of Atlanta. Uh, if you don't have to gamble this week, and as I mentioned on the show yesterday, if you have a gambling problem, you probably, you, we all know you have to gamble. But if you don't have to, (laughs) avoid the casinos, avoid the books as much as you possibly can, uh, and just run away from this week. Just, just run away. Cause I'm going to take Atlanta to win, but I don't think they're covering 11 and a half, MJ. I, I,
5: I pick Atlanta to win, but I'm, I'm much more conservative in my, in my, uh, projected score. I'm actually looking at 20 to 13. Um, As bad as I personally think Jay Cutler is, Miami has a stout defense. Um, The defense is going to be problematic, especially with us potentially not having Julio on the field, because whether we use Julio as a decoy or rather we go to Julio, with him not being on the field, that changes how you attack the Falcons defensively. So again, without Julio, without Mohammed Sanu, and with that stout defense that Miami has, again, I project 2013 Atlanta, um, and I project possibly no more scoring in the game past the third quarter.
1: Oh, that's an interesting prediction. I like that one. Uh, the bears are at the Ravens. We're all going with the Ravens. Uh, what do we think of Mitch Trubisky though? Anybody watch Mitch Trubisky and said, Hey, good job rookie. No,
2: No. the, they did exactly what they needed to do to make him look good. Again, first start, (laughs) not jumping on the bandwagon yet. Um, if this is a move that they felt was coming, they should have did it week one. Uh, they did a lot of window dressing to, Situations, and yet he still made some rookie mistakes that you would expect a rookie to make. So nothing really wowed me, but at the same time, nothing said that he's going to be garbage.
1: Neil, you seem to uh, you you were leaning towards the positive.
0: Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah, oh. I think what what is it you Americans say? He passed he passed the eye test. Uh, I mm. think he he certainly did that. Certainly was encouraging. James is spot on. You know, he made rookie mistakes. The interception at the end there. Where uh, Harrison Smith kind of used his, uh, you know, uh, his experience there over, over him, uh, but no, uh, really encouraging. I like his movement. I like his feet. I like his eyes down the field. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I was a Chicago fan, I would be, uh, I would be on the side of of being encouraged. Anyone I, I, I in the, the Ravens?
3: I watched every snap of that game, uh, the Trubisky Vikings game, and. He, he looked okay. I mean, he didn't piss down his leg, which is always good for a rookie quarterback. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna in good faith say that he looked good because he didn't. I mean, it. it there was one. It reminded me a lot of how, how Mike Sherman, the former Dolphin offensive coordinator, reminded me a lot how Sherman handled Tannehill his rookie year and just being so such idiot-proof concepts and routes and just being so incredibly painfully conservative. I I mean, I remember there was one play Monday night where it was a third and nine, and they called the bubble screen and didn't even complete the damn thing. Like, you can't be calling... I'm sorry. I don't care how green and inexperienced he is. You just can't be calling bubble screens on third and nine for a kid that you mortgaged the farm and drafted to overall. You know why you can't? Because... Mm I sure as hell know that Deshaun Watson, who's also a rookie, against which Trubisky, fair or not, will be measured for the next 15 years. The Texans, they ain't calling bubble screens for Deshaun Watson on 3rd and 9. They're letting him rip it and make plays. The Eagles last year with Carson Wentz, they weren't calling that for him on 3rd and 9. They let him rip it and make plays. The Cowboys, even with their great infrastructure, they weren't calling bubble screens for Dak on 3rd and 9 last year. They were letting him rip it and make plays. So listen. You know i understand you want to protect your rookie quarterback i understand that the 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 bears have a decent offensive line and two very good backs so from an infrastructural perspective it is easier to quote unquote hide him i get all that but a little too conservative for my taste to be honest and uh very much like how jeff fisher almost single-handedly ruined jared goff and it's good that he's out of town they need to get john fox the heck out of town before he ruined john fox has never had a good quarterback that he's That's... like developed on his own. He had Peyton Manning for a couple of years that was handed to him. John Fox is awful with quarterbacks and frankly, a pretty bad offensive coach in general. They need to get him out.
0: There's one thing just to note. I don't disagree with anything Andy said there uh, and especially the, the, the John Fox comments. Yeah, he's got to go, but they didn't actually give up the farm for Trubisky. Like uh, some teams gave up future first round picks for their quarterbacks, like Kansas city and Houston. Uh, I think they only gave up what's, so, uh, second and third last year, and maybe a third in the next draft. Definitely not a first-round pick. So they've got chances to build there. Anyone bold
1: enough to lock the Ravens in?
0: I right. would if their receivers weren't for
2: Perman and Macklin and nursing injuries, Perman knee, Macklin and shoulder, and Terrence West is doubtful to play on Sunday. So not really going to lock them in, but I do have confidence they can pull it out.
0: How can you lock in a team that gets slaughtered by Jacksonville one week and then and then you know wins and press over the following week? It's really tough, Jay. It's really tough, especially <laughs> with that offense. Well, that's why I said. I, that's why yeah, I asked yeah. if anyone Literally, was bold done. enough.
1: I, I wasn't. I'm not locking them in. I was just asking. We all went all right. with the with the Ravens here. We all went with the Falcons too. Anybody locking the Falcons in? Definitely
2: lock, again injuries. Oh, MJ is locking, locking, them locking in. the Falcons. Well, right. he is, yeah, but they got issues <laughs> at wide receiver as well. Can't lock them in. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, we mentioned uh, we mentioned the other rookie, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he is leading the Houston Texans at home versus the 0-5 Cleveland Browns. Uh, they are starting Kevin Hogan. Uh, he is the 28th starting quarterback since the Browns were reinstituted in Cleveland. Something crazy like that. Uh we're all going with the Texans. Anyone locking the Texans in?
2: Yeah, this one I locked the Texans in. Oh, right. definitely locking
1: it the Texans. There we go. The Detroit Lions. <laughs> that, that's all we need to say. The Detroit Lions are at the New Orleans Saints. Now, this game is a, this game's a little bit more interesting. The Lions, uh, the Darlings, uh, have been struggling here. They are now eighth in the power rankings the saints uh coming off a bye week they are 21st in the power rankings so the power rankings going with the lions i'm going with the lions james and kevin also like the uh, lions but neil cuz andy left you are you are going with the saints
0: yeah i've gone with the saints primarily because i'm concerned with stafford's injury status i'm not sure if james can update us there but wasn't he struggling with the uh, was a hamstring Stanley struggling last week.
2: Ankle injury. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. Uh, Haloni Nada, however, is out for the year. Mm. And Kenny Galladay, the rookie wide receiver, he's the one struggling with the
1: hamstring. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, let me add, the Saints are the third team in modern NFL history, that's since 1933, to have zero giveaways in their first four games of a season. Uh, the 2013 Titans and the 95 Rams are the other two teams. Lions also ranked third in the NFL with 11 takeaways this season. The Saints defense, uh, has—have they finally fixed it because in weeks one and two, New Orleans had the worst total defense, giving up over 500 yards per game. Uh, and then, of course, the Patriots took over that spot. And since then, the Saints have the NFL's number one total defense, giving up fewer than 250 Yards per game. Yeah. Who have
0: they played in those games?
1: <laughs> uh, they Miami, played, the, they played the Panthers and the Dolphins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And we mentioned how bad the uh, Miami Dolphins are. Uh, the next game on the list is the Packers and the Vikings. We already heard a wonderful super fan battle there uh, between Brian and Joe. Yes. I'm sorry. The, the new super fans. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting there. Uh, the we're all going with the Packers in this one. Uh, there is a note though, on the Minnesota Vikings, and I do want to get an update on the quarterback situation. Uh, James hit me with the quarterback situation. And I'll get that note on the Vikings that I have.
2: Sam Bradford is not practicing so far this week. Uh, still nursing that knee injury that he reactivated on Monday night. Uh, also a notes upon Diggs growing uh injury he didn't practice on Wednesday as well so two big mm. injuries there
0: That was but weird wasn't it That was really weird watching that game uh with Minnesota why was Bradford out there I mean something
4: something he felt well
2: he felt good they had the extra day on Sunday because the game was on Monday night and he felt he could go um, I was actually surprised that he was going to give it a shot to play. And by the time I turned into the game, he was
0: already pulled. He was limping into warm-ups. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I will tell you this, too. Entering week six, the Vikings have the NFC's top two leaders in receiving yards. Stephon Diggs, 395. Adam Thielen, 392. And I think I saw that Case Keenum is like the seventh-ranked quarterback currently in the NFL. Uh, based on uh, yeah, yards and that wonderful a thing. Yeah, so um, it might be well, one of those you, things where Case Keenum uh, is. Te- – when is Teddy Two Gloves due back? Is that yeah, an October
2: for you guys. situation? They're taking him off the he, pup he, list when he was, was, was hit. his deadline hits. He's coming off the pup list. They're going to give him time mm-hmm. because I think they have another three weeks to actively you know, let him practice. And he's been doing his own workout since the uh, offseason began. He's been showing them in training camp that he's ready to go. I think they've just been very cautious because they don't want him to re-aggravate anything. Uh, unless Case Keenum, you know, continues to play well, if he hits any hiccup or anything, and Bridgewater looks good in practice, he may get some playing time in the last couple of weeks of the season.
6: Um, that would be interesting. The uh, I mean, next right
2: now, team. I can't trust Sam Bradford to stay healthy.
6: No, I wouldn't. I don't think the Vikings are going to put Bridgewater in this year. Even if he is healthy.
2: Really? Well, it would be a good problem to have next year because he's still in the contract. But, um, yeah. No, it would be a great I, problem I to have well. next year. What?
1: True. The next game on the list here is the uh, New England Patriots at the New York Jets. Uh, the note I have here is Tom Brady is tied currently with Brett Favre and Peyton Manning with 186 career regular season wins. Uh, so one more victory puts him uh, all alone in terms of regular season wins. Uh, entering week six, Brady leads the NFL with 1,702 passing yards and ranks second with a 112 passer rating. Uh, Neil, I don't remember if if we talked about this off air, if you talked about this on air last week, uh, but the Patriots defense is basically allowing the opposing quarterbacks to be just as good, if not better than Tom Brady in terms of passer rating.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that's, that's got you guys by uh, all these, uh, well, this last, what, 15, 16 years, Jay, uh, is that as long as your defense was good enough to uh, to uh, keep the opposing quarterback below Brady's uh, passer rating, then you generally won. And uh, that's the problem for you this year is why you're still the 32nd ranked defense in the league. And it uh, just goes to, uh, I think, prove Andy's point that uh, uh, you're just a bunch of average players with a, with the greatest quarterback of all time. How dare you? I'm not, even going to,
1: I'm not even going to entertain that conversation. Patriots back in the top 10 in power rankings at 10th, the Jets at 23rd. Uh, James, I'm not even going to bother going to you. the injury report. Don't believe the thing about the
0: sprained AC joint with Brady. Neither, neither do I. The, 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 so, Jay, basically, you're the, the Patriots roster is, is the Ian Fitzsimmons of the rosters with Roof and quarterback.
1: We're all taking the Patriots, except for James. Why, James? Why, why are you taking the Jets? Even um, I'm not that foolish.
2: Oh, gosh. I, I, and I may change this later, but I don't trust your defense. Um, yeah, you've had 10 days to work it out since playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, for some strange reason, did not take advantage of your deficiency in the secondary, which is communication in the bunch set, which Carolina exposed the previous week. Um, why they continue to come out in two-by-two formations and you know run generic combination routes that you all could easily see, I have no idea. I expect the Jets, being at home, to take advantage of bunch sets and throw chaos into your secondary again. I'm looking forward to Matt Patricia on the sideline yelling at anything walking just because they're not sure who's covering the up guy, the in guy, or the out guy in the three-man bunch. So, yeah, you know, what the hell? Take the Jets. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, the defense is making everybody look like Tom Brady right now to begin with. So, I mean, Tom Brady versus Tom Brady light on the other side. It'd if be Josh a McCown matchup.
1: ends up looking like Tom Brady, I – I don't know what I'll do with myself. Neil does have an excellent question though. Is Gronk playing James? Uh, Gronk was listed as a non-participant
2: in practice due to his thigh injury. So right now he's questionable.
1: I think I saw that he arrived at practice today uh, for the walkthrough, but it's a walkthrough. So uh, what are you going to do there? The line, by the way, eight and a half to nine and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. Actually, I see one all the way up at 10 and that is too Too high. high. I'm, I am taking the jets with the points, but new England should win this game. And if they don't, then I don't know what I'm going to do. San Francisco 49ers are winless and they are on the road visiting the Washington Redskins, your Washington Redskins, Neil. I am locking them in, but James is of course going with the 49ers.
2: Because again, Washington looks like a mess. Still. Nothing's been cleared up since week one. Kirk Cousins still has no chemistry with his wide receivers. That was evident in their last game against Kansas City. The defense looks out of whack at time. Um, As far as Josh Norman, he is not on the injury report, but I don't expect him to play. And if he does, I don't expect him to be effective. So nothing Washington's done this season has convinced me that they could beat even the 49ers at this point. And granted, the 49ers have lost some games, but – Bad luck here and there, blown coverage at the most inopportune time, with early turnovers that they have to come back from. Yeah, it, it looks bad, but the eye test, they look good when they play. Uh, they can just hold on at the end of games. They'd actually have a couple of wins.
4: So
1: optimistic.
2: Uh, and very much so.
1: <laughs> Neil, you, uh, you have anything to respond to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Washington probably deserves more credit than that. The two losses have been against probably the two best teams so far in the league and against uh, Kansas and Philadelphia. Uh, and, we, we, you know, we've certainly played Kansas City really close in the last game. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with Washington's uh, season so far. If you give me two and two at this point, yeah, fine with that. Uh, Josh Norman, James, uh, he won't play. Uh, he, He's out. He's got the fractured rib and he'll probably need maybe another week or so after this this game. So so he's going to be out. But our, our cornerback depth is pretty good. It's one of the strongest areas of our team, so I'm not too concerned. Obviously, we're going to have Pete Waiter uh, playing against his former team, and of course Shanahan coaching against his former team. So some intrigue there. Jay, what you find with Washington is that we're not a good enough team yet to put these teams away. We usually play to the level of our opposition, and this will be another one it will be a close game, I think, but I think Washington will win the game, but it will be it'll be fairly close. And no congratulations, to, uh, congratulations to congratulations to Kurt Cousins for uh, for the for the birth of his uh, of his uh, son, who you'll be happy to know is not called Kurt. <laughs> that, that is good. Uh, what were you going to jump in there with, Kevin?
6: I was going to ask Neil since Josh Norman is not playing and Pierre Garcon has had a relatively productive season. Are, are you fearful that? your old friend might come back and haunt you?
0: Uh no, not really. I think I think Garson will get catches, but as as much as he gets catches these days and gets some yards, he rarely impacts the actual outcome of a game like most wide receivers. Uh so no, not too worried. I mean I hope he gets his catches. He was a he was a great contributor to Washington and uh always liked the guy. So, yeah, but I don't think it'll affect the, the result of the game Kevin. I think we'll be fine. The
1: Los Angeles Rams are at the Jacksonville Jaguars Rams 2-0 on the road and aim to start the season with three consecutive road victories for the first time dating back to 2001 when the team advanced to the Super Bowl in that year. Uh, Jaguars rookie running back Leonard Fournette rushed for 181 yards, two touchdowns last week. He is the youngest player in NFL history with a 90-plus-yard touchdown run, only the fifth rookie in league annals. To rush for a touchdown of at least 90 yards. Uh, and one other note on Leonard Fournette, he is the, uh, let's see, if he scores a touchdown on Sunday, uh, he will have scored at least one touchdown in each of his team's first five games this season and will join New England's Robert Edwards as the only rookie to score at least one touchdown in each of his team's wow. first six games of a season. Uh, so, Leonard Fournette. Just make sure you don't go play uh, any sort of beach flag football, uh, and you'll exactly. be just uh, and you'll be okay. Uh, this is a down week for the roller coaster Jaguars uh, as they had their up week last week on the road against Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the Los Angeles Rams with Jared Goff are for real, and I am going to take the Los Angeles Rams, especially since it's a West Coast team going East Coast, 4 o'clock kickoff. Aha! The Los Angeles Rams are my upset special this week.
4: Jay,
0: if you do nothing else this weekend, then watch watch Jacksonville's young cornerback, Jalen Ramsey. He is going to be a player we're watching at the top of his profession for years and years to come. That guy is, well, he's no, going to be you an should, old
6: You should adopt Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah, guy is, I mean, he is, God. He's, Jay, next you're jam, going, he's next champ, Billy. Jay, you're going back on your boyfriend after that dominant performance last week? I told you, it's a down week. They've been up and down
1: all they year long. They've and
6: losses all season. They, I'm they usually won. a Jaguars hater, and I'm predicting a Jags win, surprisingly. Uh,
2: yeah, remind
1: yeah. me, who's the quarterback of the Jaguars? Yeah. How many yards did he throw for last week? Not enough. But uh, you want to know the, believe the, the, Rams, like the Rams the Rams can't week.
6: No, but trust me, I hate Bortles more than I don't even hate him. I would like to make fun of him. He's horrible. But the Rams can't defend the run. And as we know, the Jaguars are very, very committed to the run. And the Jaguars they have the best defense in the NFL right now, and I don't think that that's a stretch to say. 10 interceptions. They're good against the rush, and last week as I said, Todd Gurley finally going against a real defense in the Seahawks. He was pretty much shut down. Jared Goff couldn't win the game by himself. Um, And the Jaguars' pass defense at this point is better than the Seahawks' defense. So ah, So, the Rams' offense is going to come sputtering
0: down once again. hmm. So where does Blake Bortles sit on the Cam Newton scale of hate, Kevin? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. As
6: I said, I misspoke. I don't hate Bortles. I merely like to see him fail for my entertainment. Cam, on the other hand.
4: mm
1: -mm. (laughs) The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at the Arizona Cardinals. We already sort of mentioned this game a little bit, but we're all split on this one. The power rankings, myself and Kevin taking the home team Cardinals uh, and James, Andy, and Neil going with the Buccaneers. MJ, we haven't heard from you in a while. Who do you like in this one? Uh, Actually, you mentioned, I think you're taking the Bucks too.
5: Yeah, I I am reluctantly
1: taking the buck. I don't know. I mean, this is one where I'm, this is basically for me, this is a home team situation. Uh, Honestly, I think these two teams, it's a toss up. And Vegas opened with Arizona being one point favorites. And now Tampa Bay, uh, depending on what book you're looking at, is the favorite all the way up to two and a half points. Uh, yeah, I, another I just,
2: side note there, Neil, uh Pod. The speed yep. wide receivers for the Cardinals, Nelson and Brown, both nursing leg injuries, hamstring and quad. Not good for your speed, guys. Mm. No, it's not. And I, practice.
5: I and I don't see that line
2: holding up.
6: Are <clears throat> you, know, uh, you
2: coming to town, no thank you.
6: Here, here's my two cents on that game. I personally don't like the Cardinals either, but they are playing at home. And this sort of reminds me of last year when they went East Coast and got smacked around by the Bills and lost me $500 in my uh, in my uh... no, 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 no. Anyways. Yeah, so anyways, on to to 2017. I just don't trust the Buccaneers. Like I was actually really high on them to start the year, but the more I see Jameis Winston, something about me just bothers him. He doesn't he takes too many chances. He takes way too many chances, and that's like it's a good thing to take chances. But he forces way too many balls. He he just makes a lot of bad decisions. And as you guys said, how the the Buccaneers scored 14 points on the, the Patriots defense on a short week, where the Patriots really didn't have much time to make adjustments. So either poor game planning or the offense isn't as good as we thought. Um, poor planning. And, and I don't think the the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals have a relatively good defense. I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to get much going on the ground. Um, I know the Eagles had a relatively successful day on the ground, but LeGarrette Blunt is, is a, is a pounder. And Doug Martin and Jekwis Rogers, I don't think they're going to get the job done. And uh, I just. Right, that's more really... than two fans.
1: You filled, you filled okay. the filled quite admirably there, Kevin.
13: Good I'm job. Sorry. I'm
1: sorry. Uh, by the way, you did bring up the that Patriots-Bucks game. Uh, Tony Romo, uh, I have to say, Kevin, is doing a phenomenal yeah, job. Uh, he's he brought is. some life to uh, announcing. He might be one of the best color guys right now uh, on television.
0: The problem with yeah, that, Jay, yeah, is no. that it, Romo's going to be excellent in the regular season, isn't he? But when it comes to the
4: playoffs... <laughs> 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 How, how, how,
6: that was rich but but how is he how how is his performance going to digress is he what what bad decisions is he
1: going to make in the booth uh he's gonna he's gonna his prediction streak is going to end when he's predicting oh what the play God. is going to be uh the Pittsburgh Steelers are at the Kansas City Chiefs we heard this super fan battle just wanted to note uh in case our super fans didn't uh, that the uh, Chiefs are still undefeated uh, and are the <laughs> best team in the NFL. I'm sure they noted that but Alex Smith leads the league with a 125.8 passer rating. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception uh he is the third quarterback in NFL history to have at least 11 touchdown passes without an interception in his team's first five games of a season. Kareem hunt is on a historic tear. At running back, he leads the NFL in rushing with 609 scrimmage yards, 775. Uh, he joined Adrian Peterson as the only rookies in NFL histories to record at least 100 scrimmage yards in each of his team's first five games. Uh, and let's see here. Hunt 775 scrimmage yards are the third most in NFL history by a rookie in his team's first five games, trailing only Eric Dickerson, who had 787 and 83 and Peterson 782 in 2007. Uh, we're all taking the Kansas city chiefs here. Uh, Big Ben on the road. We know that's a thing. And he's coming well, off of a five interception game. I mean, there might be some year? problems. Yeah, there might be some problems going on in Pittsburgh too.
0: Wow. That was uh, definitely terrible. In
1: Kansas city. Uh,
2: Travis Kelsey and the concussion protocol, Chris Conley's out with a ruptured Achilles, Albert Wilson, has been held out of practice with a leg injury, and Justin Houston didn't practice because he has a calf injury.
1: Well, that just means more receiving yards for Tyreek Hill, which will do wonders for my fantasy team. That'll be good. Uh, The Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego are on the road to the Oakland Raiders, and before I mention how most of us are taking the Raiders, only Andy, who unfortunately is no longer on the show today, Uh, is taking the Chargers. Uh, What is the status for Derek Carr, Mr. James?
2: Uh, Back injury still limited participant in practice. No word yet. He's listed as questionable right now. Uh, Mari Cooper has a knee injury. He's been limited in practice as well.
4: We
1: do have a line. Uh, Most of the books don't have a line on this game, but there is a three-point favorites for Oakland uh, in this one. We're all taking Oakland. I think Derek Carr is going to play. I talked to Stefania Bell a little bit about that. Sounds like Derek Carr really wanted to play last week, and they held him out uh, just to be conservative last week. Um, I mean, the Chargers at one and four. Neil, this is another team. We're looking at them going, hey, what's going on in San Diego? Or Los Angeles, really, now
0: yeah I know it's, it's not uh, it, it's, well they've been very close haven't they in almost all their games so uh, it's one of those it's one of these seasons where we don't quite know yet who the teams really are but San Diego are, but- uh, Los Angeles are always unlucky I would ask you you guys though playing behind one of the best offensive lines in football and arguably the best offensive line in football is Marshawn Lynch another running back who's done good question I
6: think he has more left in the tank than Adrian Peterson but I think he has a little bit left, Neil, Um,
2: but not much, that's for sure. I don't think he's done, but I wouldn't call their offensive line the best based on how they played the season. They've been paid like the best. They just haven't been playing that way.
1: Amari Cooper, by the way, not playing all that well, has caught 13 of 33 targets this season. His 39.4% reception percentage ranks last among 50 players with 30-plus targets. He also ranks last amongst that group in drop percentage, 27.8, receiving yards per target, 3.6, and passer rating when targeted, 34.7. What's wrong with Amari Cooper? Wow, <laughs> Wow.
2: He's injured. Interesting. I, I, yeah. I, I think he's hurt, and for whatever, I think he's been hurt more so than the current knee injury um, that just recently came out. But there's something else going on there. I, yeah. I, I mean, because in the preseason he
0: wasn't looking well either. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, James. It's just something not right there with that guy because he's obviously a hugely <laughs> talented player, and he's proven it. It's weird.
1: The Sunday night game that I doubt anyone's going to watch is the Denver Broncos hosting the 0-5 New York Giants. We mentioned the Giants at the top of the show. I mean, I'm looking at this article here from NFL.com. What's worse than a buzzsaw? Because that's what the Giants are headed for on Sunday. Uh, Giants will be without Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall. Sterling Shepard could also end up missing the game. Uh, Do we have an update on that one, James? Charlie Shepard will miss the game. All right. Uh so <laughs> the Giants could be without eighty nine percent of their receptions, eighty-eight percent of their receiving yards, eighty percent of their touchdowns by wide receivers this season. Uh the replacements going up against a Broncos defense that has allowed the NFL's lowest passer rating since twenty sixteen. Uh so things not looking is we right do. For the Giants.
2: Five. All of us stateside, you wire, you wire me and MJ some money, and we'll meet you up in the New England area. We'll road trip down to New York. By Sunday night, we can get there and suit up to be wide receivers for Eli Manning. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> are they, aren't they playing in Denver? Oh, they are playing good. in Denver. Oh, well. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well it's, it's yeah, I'll make the trip bad. to Denver. They have some pretty good stuff over there right here. I'm, but uh,
4: here.
6: I, for one, am won't miss this game for the world because there's nothing more I like seeing than the Giants being absolutely stomped on. Um, this, is going to be a this is going to be a 2013-esque Seattle Seahawks performance when the Seahawks actually came into, into MetLife and put the, the beat down, like 26-0 on to the, on the Giants, and he lasted like four, four picks. Um, so really it's going to be delightful. It's going to have me well-rested and energized for Monday morning.
4: The line
1: is twelve. You going? Are you giving the points, Neil?
0: Oh, yeah. do you mean? Do I think they will? No, I think Denver will win by more than twelve. All right, then that's, yeah. then, that's then you are then yeah, you, are you are giving. Yeah, giving the points, Jim.
1: Serious question: How are the Giants going to score a single point? Like, <laughs> exactly. unless the defense does it. That sounds like Kevin's giving the points, MJ. Um, definitely not the Giants. <laughs> All right. Are, are you giving not the, not the are, you give the Giants a 12 point head start? Um, yep.
5: Even with a 12 point head start, they're still going to lose.
1: There you go. And James, I think you said, yep, you're giving the points yep. too. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we're all giving the points. Uh, take Denver and feel confident about it. Lock it up. The Monday night game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. I did not get a superfan battle. These Monday night games are supposed to be required out of the superfans. So Dan and Chaps. Maybe mm-hmm. Chaps just feels bad because we keep calling him Bob or Matt <laughs> or some other name that's not his actual name. Uh, what's the uh, quarterback status for uh, Tennessee here? Or, or actually uh, Mark- for both teams, really. Yeah, starting with
2: Tennessee, hamstring injury from Mariota, we all know. Uh, currently right now, he's confident that he'll be able to play because it is Monday night. We may not know anything till right before game time. He's currently listed as questionable. Coach's staff has taken it day to day. Uh, As far as the Colts, we know we won't see Andrew Luck this week. Uh, That much has been confirmed. Supposedly, he's been throwing in practice, um, but nothing really concrete as far as when he'll practice with the team because he's
0: only just throwing right now. Is he throwing a football, James? Do you know? (laughs) Yes. Is he throwing up? He is. He
11: is
2: throwing <laughs> a football. <laughs> uh,
1: we are all taking the Tennessee Titans. Um, although I do think Mr. Brissett will keep it close. There is yeah, no line I've, on I've, this game.
2: I think this is a balanced game, but a tight defense, I don't expect much from Kobe Brissett unless he takes off running. And you have to do it early. Yeah. I have a question for, for all you guys on this panel today. Me, I am
6: actually been... Delightfully surprised with Bursette. I didn't think he was going to perform this well. So my question is to you guys: If Andrew Luck does come back, and like let's say he comes back week ten, and the Colts are five and five or four and five, whatever it is, do you think the Colts have a chance to win that division with Luck or no?
2: No. At, yes. at this rate, I, I don't think so because Tennessee and Houston can bounce back. And well, actually, all the, the all three of the other teams, including Jacksonville. Um, could have nice little stretches over this run, and this is week five. So over the next five weeks, if each of those teams wins, say three or four games apiece, it's out of reach for the Colts, and there's no reason to play Andrew left by week ten.
6: Where are the Colts right now? Two and three. I don't know. Jacoby gets three more wins, which I think is possible. I mean, isn't well, it yeah, it's on
2: Monday night, and I'm not giving them that one.
0: Yeah, but isn't it? Isn't it historically the case that that division is usually one with like a nine and seven record? So it's for the all last bit, three years. Always, yeah. That was very good and and, so. and and I'm a Watson fan I
6: was I was like the only Watson supporter in our in our group come, after the draft going into the NFL draft but you're worth the only one he, he is performing at a ridiculous level right now but that is going to come down to earth. I mean he didn't really perform that well against Houston last week he had five touchdowns but that doesn't tell the whole story barely 50% completion percentage, he's, he's going he's gonna to have those weeks where he struggles, and it just hasn't hit him yet.
2: Well, last week was also a little bit of an aberration because it, the two best defenders on that team got knocked out in the first drive, so, you know, with no resistance, Kansas City was able to go up and down the field at will. He was playing catch-up the whole time, so, yeah, passing numbers completion percentage-wise aren't going to look great, but yardage and touchdowns are going to look awesome.
1: I mean, that's another uh, story that we missed, Neil, when you talk about we missed some major storylines, is uh, Whitney, Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt uh, will not be playing for the rest of the season for the Houston Texans defense.
0: I tell you, Jay, I told you about a year ago at least that if you look at J.J. Watt, he's got the spindliest legs ever. It's not so, no surprising that somebody snapped him. <laughs> no one snapped him. He just took a bad pump off the carpet. I know, but have you seen these legs? I mean, they're like they're like two threads hanging from these shorts.
6: Oh, <laughs> oh man! So you're saying All he right.
0: skips leg day? I'm, <laughs> I'm saying he's I'm saying he's quite likely to be friends with uh, Demarcus Lawrence and uh, and the Boy Irving. <laughs> oh my! God. Oh man! What about what
6: about Preston Smith? He's I think Tim Preston Smith and Demarcus Lawrence are the only ones to have a sack every game. That's true. Preston smells fishy to me.
0: So, urine test is coming shortly.
1: <laughs> All right. So, that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, once again, uh, another two-hour marathon for you. But, hey, it's a lot less than two and a half. So, take that. Plus, it's phenomenal conversation. You can't deny that that we're giving you stuff that you're not getting anywhere else. Uh, especially between the laziness and the lack of facial hair. Or the facial hair that... <laughs> It's not it's not enough, apparently, for Neil. Uh, you know, we give it we we give it all here on the Next Fan Up Podcast. Please send us your emails, nextfanup at gmail.com, tweet us at NFU podcast and our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash NFU podcast. Read the previews, nextfanup.wordpress.com. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a review, if you will, on iTunes or TuneIn or Stitcher or anywhere great podcasts are heard so that uh, we can share them with the world and share this podcast with your friends amongst the world, please. If you don't mind, it'd be fantastic. You'll help us out. Uh, And and by the way, speaking of facial hair, uh, we might have something to help all of our lazy super fans with their facial hair here in the next couple of weeks. So very excited about that. Um, Until then here's Landry Jones. Does he have a mountain man beard? I don't think he does. No. There you have it.
13: Next week will be next week. Today I'm gonna to enjoy it. I'm gonna go back home and and hang out.
8: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky
11: in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.